All right, Dave, listen, I don't want to put you on the spot. Your, your three favorite Leafs of all time are who? <laughs> <laughs> no, not going there. That's yeah. easy, gentlemen. Right. I, I, I would uh, I would hazard on that side as well because it is a debate that I'm sure Leaf fans will have. But either way, uh, two will be announced, and Sid and I will do that later when we're not. I've heard that August is as much of a down month as you have in this business. I may be incorrect, but is the life of a general manager kind of back in full swing as September hits? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it used to be uh, when I first started in this business. Um, July was really slow. In fact, I think the league used to shut the office down for the month of July. But that is uh, those days are gone now. You get uh, you get a little time in August, and once you get to Labor Day, hopefully things are clicking. So, did you get some time away from this crazy city to uh, to to rest and relax, or was it full go? No, a little bit. Yeah, nice. there's there's always uh, the odd call coming in, but no, I got got a little time away. But looking forward to getting back at it now. Dave, does the GM of the Leafs get recognized when you're relaxing? Like, I know the players kind of <laughs> get it a lot, the but... Right place. Depend- <laughs> it depends where you're relaxing. Yeah. And if it happens, is it cordial? <laughs> yeah. You know what? I think that uh, we, have the, we have the best fans in pro sports, and, and you know, part of it is because of uh, uh, how passionate they are. Um, and I would say 99% of the people, whether they agree with the things you're doing or not, uh, think truly fans have, have, have always been very cordial. A lot of them have questions or want to discuss things. But uh, it, you know, it's great walking around town right now. Everyone's getting pumped up. Dave Nonis, uh, Senior VP GM of the Toronto Maple Leafs here on Tim and Sid. Um, give me the Coles notes, Dave, on what's going on down at, at Maple Leaf Square. Like, if, if I walk down there, what do I see at FanFest? Well, once you get into into the into the building, there's a number of things that are going to be going on. Uh, we're trying to uh, put as many different elements in front of the fans as possible. Whether it's you know uh, kid zones where the younger kids can can uh, work on their skills, whether it's dropping the puck at center ice, uh, some some opportunities to walk through our dressing room. Um, there's a lot of different uh, different elements that are part of it, and you know they they they've done a very good job of trying to create as many different opportunities for different types of fans and different age groups. Uh, as I said, we'll give away some tickets to that a little later on in the show. Um, we were talking earlier this week, at least Bob McCowan on the station was talking to Masai Ujiri about the departure of of Tim Laiwiki and the imminent departure of Tim Laiwiki. Um, how does that affect you in your day to day work? Well, it won't it won't affect me day to day. You know, I, I work um, you know directly under Brendan, but I, I would say that I think that Tim has done a great job here to date. Hopefully, you know the remaining months he has here uh, go smoothly, and he's been nothing but a positive influence for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Um, from my standpoint, you know, again. My direct report um, changed from Tim to Brendan, so it doesn't affect me directly. But uh, you know, again, he's been he's been very good to me and my family, and I think he's been a, a very positive influence to us. Dave, when were you aware that this was the plan with Tim? Um, really not. I kind of found out the same time that you guys were reporting it, um, but. You know, I I know that Tim, uh, having talked to him over the last year, I know he's always had his uh, his um, desire or that fire to to do something on his own. Um, yeah, but I wasn't aware that he was leaving until until it was announced. Uh, let's make the segue from from Liwicky to the to the team on the ice. And, and when Brendan Shanahan was introduced along with uh, Tim Liwicky, there was a lot of talk of culture change. Do you feel like that has been addressed to your liking with this team? 
There's, I think you're always striving to to make the room stronger, to to you know improve the uh, the character of the group. I don't think there's really a team in the league, even the teams that you know that have won the last couple of years. I wouldn't say that they're they're trying to find an edge and trying to find a way to improve. Uh, you know, I, I think from from our standpoint, we you know, we felt we needed some more competitiveness in the bottom six forwards. And the change a little bit of the look uh, on our back end, um, and, and by doing that, we felt we'd create that that competitive spirit that we had two years ago, and that was it was a goal of ours heading into uh, into July. And um, you know we've we've done some I think pretty good things to create that competition. Did you think that there needed to be as much culture change as it seemed to be suggested during that news conference to introduce Brendan? Well, there, listen, there's. Um, there's uh, uh, a couple weeks earlier, people were talking about home ice, and uh, I don't think that we were as worried about a culture change then. But when things don't go as well as they need to go and as as we expect them to go, then you have to look at making some changes. But the the, the notion that there aren't character players and uh, good players uh, on this this team is false. Do we want to improve? Yes, we do. I think some of the things we we did uh, were aimed at, at at bringing that character back, bringing a Leo Komarov, who I think we we sorely missed last year. Uh, you know that type of player back into our lineup was important, and and um, you know again we're not. I don't think that we're done by any stretch. I think it, this is a a team that's still uh, in development. We still have to look at adding pieces and improving in various areas. But uh, you know, we're comfortable with some of the pieces we brought in to help generate that that competition that we need. Senior VP GM of the Toronto Maple Leafs, mm-hmm. Dave Nonis, here on Tim and Sid. Um, when when the season was over, the collapse was done. Obviously, there was a lot of heat on on certain guys. Dave and Dion Phaneuf was one of them. Um, and and there was some speculation about his status and, and deals and yada yada yada. Did you have to speak to him at any point this summer about what was going on, what was circulating? Had he heard some of it? Were there a lot of concerns on his end, or was he not paying attention to that stuff? Um, I, I spoke to him early on, uh, only to the extent that you know, there were some things that were whipping around that were just false. And um, you know, I told Dion at that point that uh, you know, there was a, a suggestion that we were moving him um, and that the deal was imminent. And that the only time I talked to him was that that was not the case, um, but that if there was a deal there that made our team better, that he was uh, he was in the same boat as every other player that we have. And that if if, if there's a a move that makes us better by moving Dion Phaneuf that he would, you know, he would be on his way out, same as Phil Kessel, Joffrey Lupul, that he was uh, in the same group as, as all those, but we weren't actively shopping him, and, you know, the rumors or the discussions that you're hearing are, are just that. As a part of the media, I can recognize that oftentimes the media can be unfair, um, like you're saying about the culture change when you're talking about home ice versus uh, the end of the season. And when Dion Phaneuf's contract was signed, it was the going rate. And it went from the going rate to a bad deal, according to some in the media, in a matter of months. I also realize that the new NHL is ever-shifting and given the cap uh, somewhat of a moving target. If you could get another shot at Dion Phaneuf's contract, would you do anything different? No, not at all. No, Dion is uh, again. He, he's a he's a top defenseman in this league. Uh, he he was fair with us. 
he didn't push for eight years. He basically took a flat amount. He was making 6.75, I believe, and and um, I believe that as this contract moves forward, it's going to look like a very good deal for us. So, no, I wouldn't do anything differently. Um, you know, he, if you look at at uh, the minutes he plays and who he plays against, um, you know, he plays against the top players in the league, and uh, that's borne out by the by the stats when you look at at his. Uh, his competition and and who we make him pair up against, he's done a you know he's done a very good job for us. His last month uh, last year was probably again maybe the worst month he's had with us. Um, but over the course of last year, he was a pretty good player, and we expect him to come back here and lead this group. So those who are critical of him are those unreal expectations in your mind? Uh, which expectations? Well, the, when when people think. Seven years, forty-nine million, and then critique a guy saying he's not a top-two defenseman, like I've heard in this market. Are those expectations based on what he's paid? Unrealistic expectations? I don't think so. I think that that you know when you start earning those dollars, the expectations should be high, and we need Dion to come in here and be a top a top defenseman, and we need him to play his twenty-two plus minutes, uh, and and again play against the top players and other teams and perform at a high level. So no, I don't I don't think that that um expectations should fall off uh, on him at all. I think that that's part of of making 7 million bucks and it's part of playing in Toronto. I one day hope to have that problem. <laughs> yeah, uh, Dave Nonis here <laughs> on do. Tim and Sid. I doubt it though. I severely <laughs> doubt it. I have no talent in life. Um Dave, you've had four and a half months to kind of think about how that ended last year. Has that time changed your perspective? on what you think happened at all? No, no. I don't think it's changed my perspective. I, I think we got into a, a spin that for various reasons we, we couldn't come out of. Um, but I, I don't think it changed my, changes my perspective, nor does it change the long-term um, direction or feeling that, it, that I have for this team. I, I think that we, you know, we have to continue to add pieces. Uh, we, we resisted the urge to trade first-round picks that some people were suggesting would be a wise move with the trade deadline because we are still a team that needs to add. We're, we're not in a position where we can where we can move young players for older ones. Um, we need to continue to develop and, and grow the group. So I don't think um, – uh, I think the way it ended was uh, difficult for a lot of different people, um, and particularly since – you know, uh, the year before, coming off of that season, and we'd hope to springboard into a longer playoff run than the year before. But um, uh, the team is is, uh, is still developing, and, and we have to add the pieces that will make us successful. We can't be paring it down. Uh, Dave, I know the people at CapKeek do great work, but sometimes it isn't completely accurate, and considering <laughs> you know your roster better than anyone, I'll ask you, how tight are you right now up against the cap, and how creative do you have to be going forward if you're going to add anything? Well, we're... The answer is it depends. Uh, it depends on how many players that we carry. I mean, if we were to carry 23 players, we're going to be tight, uh, probably within three to four hundred thousand dollars, depending on which players uh, we keep. Uh, if we get down to 22 or 21, then we'll have, you know, we'll have a fair bit of uh, of room to to make a deal. So we're not we're not in bad position at all. Like, uh, you know, if we were we still had two players to sign and we were up against it, I would feel a little less comfortable. But we now have every player um, uh, on our team, and and with the Marlies signed, and um, uh, we'll just have to m- make some adjustments with our roster, and that'll dictate how much space we have. But the, I would I would expect that we'll go into uh, the opening night 
uh, with probably around half a million dollars in cap space, but with mm-hmm. the option of uh, creating another million and a half. Right. Dave Nona, Senior Vice President, General Manager, John Maple Leafs, joining us here. What have Kyle Dubas and new assistant GM Brandon Pridham uh, brought into your front office? Well, um, Brandon's, you know, he's worked at the league for a fair bit of time, and he's the guy that you know, we would go to uh, with a lot of different questions and, and in terms of the CBA and cap. Uh, he spent uh, you know, the last couple of weeks here now trying to uh, get his feet wet, um, but he's, he's not a, a guy that's going to take a whole lot of time to, to uh, get going, given that he, he's got a very firm grasp of, uh, of all the, the things that we're going to lean on him for, which, which, again, is a lot of the cap issues and uh, contract negotiations and collective bargaining. So um, pretty comfortable that there's not going to be any, any issues at, at all with him stepping in. Um, Kyle's a very bright guy. At uh, I think um, you know he's uh, got a lot of energy. He's got a lot of good thoughts, um, and you know people have talked about analytics now for a little while, and and it's been kind of the buzzword. I'm sure you guys have discussed it at length. <laughs> no, not that much, Dave. Actually, it's been, yeah, it's been a it's not annoying at all. No, no, no. <laughs> but um, you know, it's, again, it's not that that uh, we've we haven't used um, a lot of those numbers in the past because we have. You know, Chris Dennis has done a good job. Um, you know, presenting a lot of those things to us when we were looking at adding players or, or making deals. But I, I would tell you that um, of all the people, and we've had a lot of people come through this office, make presentations on how they could help us and how analytics would help us going forward, um, and really hadn't seen anyone that could actually do that um, un- until we sat down with Kyle. And, and a, lot of, a lot of the things that he uh, spoke to us about uh, we're aimed at at development and how we can develop these things to to uh, help make decisions to help the coaches. It wasn't just relying on things that had already happened, but trying to project things that were going to happen. So I think that long term, um, you know, that uh, that the sky's the limit for for us in that area. And he's been you know, he's been excellent in, in uh, starting the development process. Uh, there's a lot more work to do there. I think it's going to be something that's going to take, you know, it's probably more years than months, but uh, pretty excited about what's gone on there so far. So you, you heard the same talk that we had about the, the effort to bolster the analytics department and, and some even suggesting that that this was all new to the franchise. How, how do you respond to people saying that to your, to you guys in that front office saying that this is all brand new to you as opposed to, maybe you had something in place before no it's not all brand new you know again we've had we've got um programs that run a, a lot of the stats that you guys and others have talked about um so no it's not something that that we didn't we didn't have or we didn't see uh, a lot of uh, that is looking backwards at what's happened and and this is the first opportunity that i've seen to look forward as to how it can affect you going forward. So were we as deep in it as other teams? I would say no. Uh, is it the first time we've seen it or heard of it? Uh, no. Um, and a lot of the people, again, I, I wouldn't, I'm probably going to be short on this number. I would say we had 15 to 20 uh, different people or, or startup companies that came to us, um, and a lot of them were were very interesting, and there was a lot of pretty graphs, but they didn't tell us anything. Right. And and I think that uh, that Kyle uh, and his group um, are a lot different than that. This is a a guy with a hockey background that is using some of these numbers to help us uh, look at some decisions that we can make on a going forward basis, not on on things that have happened prior. 
Dave, just, it's a hypothetical, and you're not going to like it, so I apologize. <laughs> um, let's say you're looking at a player. Yeah. Your gut tells you one thing. Four people around you, who you respect, say the numbers say something else. Give but, you the Billy Bean? Exactly. But your, your gut is just telling you this, you got to go in a certain direction. How does that play out? Well, it depends on the player. Are we talking about a fourth line guy that we're going to take a chance on, or are we talking about moving Phil Kessel? I mean, is it, right. there's a lot. There's a, right. there's a there's a lot of, of things you have to put in into context, and I I think that we're going to start to see um, that we can use these numbers and some of these projections to help us make decisions. Um, you know. And again, the notion that we we haven't looked at any of this uh, in the past isn't isn't true. I, uh, a couple of summers ago, I spent time with an NFL team um, in their training camp and spent over a week uh, with them to try to determine how they make decisions on a going forward basis. Uh, when they're looking to cut a player, how long they think the player's shelf life is. Those are all things that I think that we that can help us going forward, which might lead to. to to deals that people scratch your head at. Why would you trade a guy after he just scored 30 goals? Well, maybe he's, you know, we think that the, that's never going to happen again. That's the type of thing I think that we we can hopefully get to with, uh, um, you know, with these programs and this type of analysis. But if you're relying solely on numbers to make a deal, I think that would be as foolish as relying on watching a guy play two good games and, and thinking that he's a guy that you need to have. How much say did you have in the hiring of these two uh, in the front office in Dubis and Pridham? Uh A lot. We, mm-hmm. Brent and I, both spent uh, a fair bit of time uh, with both of them. Um, more with Kyle than, than Brandon, because we we both knew Brandon from you know from our time dealing with them. Right. Kyle Kyle was new. I didn't know Kyle at all. Um, spent you know several hours talking to him um, before we. We we hired him. I know uh, Brendan did as well, and um, you know he 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 came off as a very uh, bright, uh, humble, and uh, hardworking kid. So it was uh, um, it was uh, a, a pretty easy fit for us. Dave, where where does Randy Carlisle stand with analytics? Well, I, I think Randy would look at anything that he thinks can help our team. Um, you know, I I think that he'll be very open. To anything that we can bring him, uh, we have again brought him some of the other uh, breakdowns that we've had, um, and and he's been open to looking at that. So I don't, I don't. This isn't a guy that's going to put his hand up and say I, I'm not looking at that at all. I think anything that that can help, uh, you know, paint the picture um, for the coaching staff as to what we can do better or how we can improve our lineup. I don't see them looking at that and saying that they're not interested. Dave, before we let you go, uh, the ALS Ice Bucket Challenge has raised millions uh, for research of, of a of a debilitating disease in both Canada and the United States. But I'm curious your reaction if and when you saw Mikhail Grabowski and Nikolai Kuhlman's Ice Bucket oh, Challenge yeah. of you and Randy Carlisle. Well, first of all, I was camping when I, I was out in the woods, and when I got back, I had, a, I had my son had sent it to me. So um, I didn't even know that was gravel coming out of the pool, to be honest with you. I don't think he knew. <laughs> yeah, I don't think he knew. But, he did have a bucket on, so. He did have a bucket <laughs> yeah. on. But I uh, had to replay it several times to understand what he was saying to me. Right. Did you end up taking it? Um, I have done it uh, at home, and uh, I'm actually going to try to do uh, something a little bit bigger here. But uh, the one thing that um, that 
I hope people have done as well as to besides the ice bucket is to is to try to make a donation because yeah. that uh, that goes a, a lot further than uh, than people think. Yeah, here here we did the exact same thing. Uh, we pulled a, a beer out of our bucket and then donated to uh, <laughs> to charity. Really appreciate you taking the time. No, it's getting busy for you. Thanks for doing this. All right, guys. Thanks for having me on.